So, this is Vibe Drop episode 96. And oh man, this is a bombshell, baby. We have the world best Apple reporter coming up next. That's right. Bloomberg Mark Gurman is here today. He's joining the captain of Team Apple, and we're on Vibe Drive, which starts now. What's up, people? This your boy Viper, the man about tech, and welcome back to another episode of Vibe Drive. This is the podcast about tech, hosted by the man about tech. And oh my goodness, I have the world's best Apple reporter coming to the podcast. We have Bloomberg, Mark German in the building. What's up, Mark? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I need to get on, on your uh, your level energy-wise. You are you are enthusiastic. You're more enthusiastic than anyone has ever anyone else has ever been to have me. So that's awesome. <laughs> man, I appreciate you. Thank you for the time, man. That definitely appreciate you. Of course. No, happy to do this. This is great. Yeah. All right, so I was doing my research on you, Mark, and I came across some fascinating information. So apparently, oh. <laughs> apparently, Mark, you have been dropping these apple bombs since you were 14 years old. 14! Now, <laughs> most 14-year-old dudes, they're out there either chasing girls or they're playing video games, but not Mark Gurman. Oh, no, 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 no. Mark Gurman is out here dropping these apple bombs if Tim if uh, Tim Cook and Steve Jobs made a mistake, Mark was on top of it and putting it out to the world. So tell me, how does a 14-year-old with all the other options available to him start chasing Apple Leaf at that early of an age? No, I mean, Viper, that's uh, – first of all, thank you for having me. This is this is cool. Um, yeah, you know, so I started around when I was 15 years old. This was like ninth, 10th grade in high school. Always was interested in tech and, and Apple, as I'm sure, you know, you have been forever as well. Uh, and, you know, just really followed all the rumor sites, all the forums very, very closely. And I kind of wanted to be part of it. So I started talking to, you know, as many people as possible to sort of learn more about Apple products, what's in development. And over time, you know, built up the ability to sort of put stories out. Um, early on, there weren't a lot of, you know, great stories from me, maybe the first year or two. But, you know, by 2011, maybe a couple years in and, you know, through now, of course, you know, been trying to pump out as many, you know, Apple bombs, as you call it, um, <laughs> to, you know, to, to make the, you know, the, the readers, you know, happy. And, you know, I just love, you know, interacting, you know, with people like you and others in this community on Twitter and YouTube and, you know, wherever to talk about this stuff. It's, uh, it's very fun. And, you know, I know we're both very lucky to, to, to work in this tech space. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful about it, too, every day. So. Man, like I said, you are widely regarded as the world best Apple reporter. So I'm curious, why Apple? What I mean, with all the other companies out there, Samsung, your Google, your LGs, all the other companies that you can report on, why Apple? Sure. No, I mean, that's a, that's a really good question. I mean... At the time, I, I was just super. I was super interested in technology, right? I was kind of, if you want to say, obsessed with, you know, Steve Jobs and the Apple way, and you know what they were building there. Um, I was fortunate enough to have an iPod Mini, uh, well back in the day. This would have been, you know, in the mid two thousands, I think. I don't know. You probably remember better than me. Um, and you know, sort of just hooked on Apple products, and you know, after that, eventually got a, a Mac for school. Back then, it was the iBook G4, uh, and it sort of went from there, you know, just hooked on Apple products, uh, waited in line for the iPhone uh, for several hours, uh, as I'm sure 
you know, maybe you and many people watching, uh, many people in your, you know, the online community here have done as well. So, you know, was really in the thick of things and, you know, started hearing things and started posting about them online. All right. So let's talk about the, the stories and, and things that you have posted and, and stuff like that. So sure. a lot of times, you know, um, the, the, the information that you post are leaks and rumors about upcoming Apple product service and things like that. So I've talked to my buddy, John Prosser, about this, about how he goes about protecting his sourcing, because I know that's a big part of being a leaker and reporting on leaks. People trust you, Mark, to deliver the information, but they also trust you to deliver the information in such a way that doesn't compromise them. So I know you can't get into the nitty gritty, but talk to us a little bit about how you go about protecting your sourcing, because I know that's a big part of getting the information that you have access to. Yeah, no, Viper, that's a, it's a good question. And like you said, I really don't go into it. Um, I do have, you know, secure messaging and email things listed on my Twitter and website. So, you know, people are, are welcome to, to take a look at that. Um, but you know, this is a, uh, I love doing what I do. I love reporting on Apple, right? Uh, obviously there's a lot of people who are really interested in their upcoming products. And so it, it's a fun job it's fun to do this. And I feel lucky to do it. Uh, do y'all see how you just curved around the answer? I appreciate that. I respect that. I respect that. Wrong I'm PR thing. trained. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got you. How do you determine what information is credible and worth reporting on and what information is not? Yeah. I mean, that might be a better question for some people who are, are putting out incorrect things lately. Um, I think there's a lot of wrong information. Uh, floating out there right now, but I think people trust my ability to sort of go, you know, mix through the, the BS and understand what's true and not true. And I think the best way to do that is experience, right? Uh, when you're working on this stuff for 10 years, 11 years, like I have done, I have a pretty good eye and a pretty good ear for what's true and not true. Also, it's important to only trust people who are constantly accurate, right? So, mm -hmm. There's a there's a big difference there between you know my reporting and you know so-called leakers uh, at this point. All right, so since you want to go there, Mark, let's go there. So there was a recent report about AR glasses. Our buddy John Prosser made a whole video on his YouTube channel about uh, the potential AR glasses, and I know you have posted on Twitter that you uh, that some of the information that was put out there you didn't think was were credible with BS. So I guess my question to you is. What is it about the information? Because I think the biggest thing was, I think Prosser put out there that there might be some Steve Jobs Heritage Edition Apple AR glasses that could be coming out. And I know you were like, there's no way in hell. So what is it about that particular piece of information that you were just like, that, that, that's not happening? You know, I didn't watch the video. Um, I didn't really, you know, look into it too deeply. The Steve Jobs situation I mean, it's obvious um, that it's not true, but I, I'd rather not comment on other people's work. Um, okay. I like to focus on what I'm doing and, uh, yeah, would love to hear about some of the stuff, you know, you're working on as well. You know, it's not only about me Tell any, any news to share on, uh, on your end. How's the, the podcast going? I want to hear more about, I want to hear about more about your work too. <laughs> you are a smooth operator. I can affect that. I appreciate that. No, no, it's for sure. I'm, I'm for real. No, I, re I respect that, man. It's all good. Um, as yeah. far as the podcast goes, I mean, it's funny because with the current situation and the coronavirus and things like that, it's been a lot easier for me to get guests because obviously we're all at home. So sure. I've been able to get a lot of a lot of high profile people to be my guests on the podcast. And at one point, 
I had the podcast and actually the top 200 of Apple uh, tech podcast on Apple podcast. So I'm trying oh, to get nice. back to the top 200. So, yeah, um, I've been doing it since last January. The podcast is about a year and a half old. Um, this is episode 96, actually. So we're fastly approaching episode 100. So, man, I've just been doing the best I can. And I also make regular uh, YouTube videos on my other channel about Apple news and things like that. So, yeah, I've just been doing my thing. Oh, that's man. cool. That's cool. Do you do that full time, like the podcast and the and the YouTube videos? Uh, not really. I have a regular nine to five job that I do um every day. But when I'm not doing a nine to five, cool. obviously I'm working on YouTube and the podcast and things like that. Very so that, cool. So that brings me to an, another. Uh, I guess we can segue to another topic there. Um, you sure. are obviously a tech reporter. You work for Bloomberg. Um, That's have right. you ever thought about? And I know you make. I know you uh you have appeared on video for Bloomberg. So have you ever That's thought right. about yourself making a YouTube channel? Um, I dabbled with it when I was in, uh, many years ago, uh, before the, the online side, but it's not something I'm, I'm actively working on. I, I do enjoy video reviews and, you know, talking about the, the latest news and such, uh, on things like this with you Viper and, you know, other podcasters and TV and such. Uh, but I, I don't think I'm going to do a, a YouTube video channel. If I did, it would be a little bit, uh, maybe in a more of a podcasty format, but. Uh, you know, nothing I'm looking at currently. Just spitballing. All right. Speaking of podcasts, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. I mean, right now I'm very focused on, on the work I'm doing currently. Uh, but who knows what will happen uh, down the road? You ask good questions, by the way. These are these are good questions. So thank you. I just got I got nothing for you on that one. Just focused on what I'm doing now. I completely understand. I mean, the things that we do, especially working in the tech, they keep us busy, especially with Apple, with WWDC being what, six days away now. So we, we are yeah. very busy right now, definitely. So what are you looking forward to at WWDC? I was going to ask you that at some point, but let's talk about it right now. So I am looking forward to seeing what Apple unveiled with iOS 14. The one thing, Mark, I've been complaining about for the past two years is I have an iPhone 11 Pro Max in my hand here, but one of my biggest gripes with it is that I can't do picture-in-picture picture or we don't have actual real multitasking. Now, out of all the leaks and rumors, yeah, out of all the leaks and rumors that I've heard about iOS 14 so far, none of them have alluded to actual real-life multitasking, which kind of infuriates me because, as you know, Mark, the features already exist on iPadOS, so there's no reason to me anyway why those features can't be ported from iPadOS to iOS. But um, do you think we'll ever get features like picture-in-picture picture or multi-window on iPhone? Very good question. Um, I think we would get picture in picture before uh, we get something like side by side. I think they like to keep it exclusive to the iPad in order to you know, sell more of those. Uh, man. Uh, but who knows? I guess it's possible, right? I mean, the side by side stuff is cool. I still think the iPhone screen is a little too small for that. Uh, I've used the side by side stuff on the Samsung phones and other phones, and it's not a great experience. But Man, I totally agree with you in terms of having uh, picture in picture. It would be great for YouTube, uh, video pods, you know, stuff like this, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that'll be a thing at some point. Maybe this year. Hopefully, like I said, I've heard nothing that alludes to it, but hopefully, we'll be pleasantly surprised at WWDC. But talking more hopefully. about, you know, talking more about WWDC. Obviously, you've written a bunch of articles and things like that about what we can expect to see at WWDC. So why don't you go into that a little bit and let us know what can we expect as far as Iowa 14 goes at WWDC next week? Yeah, I mean, in terms of iOS 14, I think you're going to see a big focus yet again on performance. I mean, that was the idea with iOS 13. It didn't turn out so great as we 
as we all know, Viper. But I think that this yep. time around, they are going to try to really make performance and, you know, you know, perfecting the existing capabilities paramount. But obviously, we'll see some new functionality for third-party uh, augmented reality applications. We'll see some, you know, visual tweaks across the system. Not an iOS 7-like style redesign, just, you know, minor, you know, uh, paint jobs here and there. Uh, maybe, you know, a few minor tweaks to the iPhone home screen, uh, particularly on the widgets side. Uh, but I think the real big thing for WWDC, and I'm sure you were going to ask me about this, is the transition from the Intel processors on the Mac to sort of the, the ARM processor infrastructure mm -hmm. uh, for future Macs. So, you know, what, what, do you do, what, what kind of laptop are, are you using? Uh, right now, I am streaming on the new 15-inch MacBook Pro. Okay, yeah, me as well. I mean, wh what do you think of it? I mean, I'm sure you've had it for, for months now, right? Uh, I've had it about, for about a month or two, and I love it. I love yeah. the display. The, 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 the nearly bezel-less display of this 16-inch is amazing. The speaker, the speaker quality on this MacBook is kind of out-of-worldly. Like, I'm yeah, highly ridiculous. impressed. Yeah, definitely. Um, which one did you go for? Like, did you? I got the the very base model of the sixteen inch with sixteen gigabytes of RAM. Is yep. that what you got? Yeah, my bank account so, is base model. <laughs> yeah, no, for the sixteen gig. I, honestly, I don't know if you've noticed this too. I'm sure with working on all your video editing stuff and different tabs and whatever you have open on there. I know for me personally, sixteen gigabytes of RAM isn't enough at this point. You need, I think, you need a good thirty-two to get you know everything you need to get to done at once. Yeah. I mean, is that we? Yeah. So, you know, I think that comes down to the integration with the Intel processor. And my hope is that you could probably get away with doing more with less with the ARM processor, if that makes sense. Because do you have an iPad as well? I do, right next to my left here. Yep. That's funny. So, uh, you know, on the iPad, I feel like you could, you know, crank that thing up and do as much as you want possible with it. Uh, it has four to six gigabytes of RAM, depending on which iPad you have. Right. Uh, and that thing could handle handle pretty much everything. So. All right. So let's, let's dig into this a little bit more. Um, can you please explain to the people watching and the people listening? Uh, what does sure. it mean? What does the uh, transition to ARM architecture mean for MacBook for the future? What does that mean exactly? No, that's a good question, Viper. So basically right now, all Mac computers use an Intel processor. This is a chip designed from Intel. Obviously, they're based in California. They've been providing the Mac processors for uh, since 2006 at this point, so about 15 years, a decade and a half. And what Apple will be doing is they'll be sort of ditching those processors for in-house design chips, very similar to the processors used in the iPhone, the iPad, the Apple Watch, the Apple TV, the HomePod, any of your other Apple products. Um, what that's gonna do is it's gonna allow the computers to be on a similar foundation to the rest of Apple devices, make them more integrated, make software work across more Apple products. And I think it's gonna overall make a, a better user experience over time for the customer. Obviously it'll save Apple quite a bit of change as well, uh, given they won't be paying that bill to Intel every quarter. Now, right now, uh, Macs have about 10% of the PC market. Do you think that mm -hmm. Apple transitioning to ARM uh, chip could potentially put a bigger dent in that market share for Apple? Hmm. Uh, good question. Yes and no. So no in the sense that Apple's been hovering at that 10% mark for quite a bit of time. Um, so no from that perspective. But yes, in the sense that perhaps Apple has been at that 10% because their computers are not good as they could have been because upgrades have slowed down. 
And what ARM will do is it'll, it'll unlock the ability for them to make, you know, future future Macs and stuff that they wouldn't be able to make today. So from that perspective, it's very possible that they'd be able to, you know, up their um, up their market share. It's funny because we know that the iPhone, the uh, A3 chip and iPhone just lap what's happening on the Android side. So I'm just pre- I'm pretty right. uh, I'm interested in the uh, if when Apple transitions over to ARM chips on the MacBook, will they have the, the same like power gains and be able to leapfrog their PC counterparts and who knows? That's what I. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking, Viper. I think that that will result in huge increases. It'll improve the overall Mac experience. It'll do better software. It'll make them easier to use in some respects. I woke up the other morning, not for my alarm clock, but my MacBook Pro, the 16-inch we just talked about. The fan was spinning like an airplane. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just like you run into these bugs and these issues from time to time on Macs. That, to be honest with you, I think are are a lot of times caused by the Intel processor stack. And so I think moving to the Apple chipset will solve a lot of the problems. To your point, it might grow market share when people start to you know, take a look at the Mac and say, you know what, these things are better. Um, perhaps the ARM transition can bring down pricing, who knows? Um, so yeah, there's a number of factors that I think maybe could get Apple eventually up to 12, 15%, but I don't think it's an overnight thing. Right, and to your point, Every time I live stream on this MacBook or any MacBook for that matter, the fan spin out of control like a jet and taken off. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a $2,000 private jet. Definitely. So we know that the coronavirus has kind of put a stop to pretty much everything that's happening all across the world. We know that the iPhone will probably more than likely be delayed. I've been saying it for months now. And for whatever reason, every other week, there's a different article coming out and saying, oh, iPhone will be delayed. I'm like, this is not new. We've known it for months. So maybe people won't believe it coming from my mouth. But Mark, can you please explain to the people that the iPhone 12 will be delayed this year? There's no way coming in September. It will be announced in September, I believe. And then I believe it will ship by the end of October. So what you're going to see is, I mean, listen, my belief is that the Apple release cycle is typically between mid-September and the end of October. So it's not really out of the normal range. Um, but it would be about a, a month delay or so compared to the, the iPhone 11 launch uh, and the 10s launch before that. Um, I think if you built a chart, you would say maybe 60 or 70% of the time, maybe 80% of the time the phones go on sale in September. Uh, but there have been quite a few times, or there have been at least three times where they've gone on sale in October and you've seen the iPhone 10 launch November 3rd in 2017. So it's not disastrous by any means, but certainly it is a delay. Definitely. Shout out to those of y'all listening on audio only. Thank you for listening to this week's version of the podcast with me and Mark Gurman. Appreciate you guys rocking out each and every episode. Um, If you guys want to support the podcast in any way, please check the link in the show notes. If you want to follow Mark Gurman, check the link in the show notes. His information will be down there. Also, if you happen to be listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a rating or review as it helps more people discover Vibe Drive. So I appreciate you guys listening to the podcast each and every week on your podcast app of choice. Mark, I got an interesting question for you. We know that Apple has HomeKit, right? They have the HomeKit app on most iPhones and iOS products and things like that. But up until now, Mark, Apple has had very little to no presence in home automation and smart home tech. Why? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're totally right. I mean, the ecosystem is closed up to the point where 
it's like they have, I believe, between four and 500 compatible devices with HomeKit, whereas you're topping 100K for uh, Amazon and Google combined, Viper. And so it's like, you know, there's just not that many devices on the market. Uh, I've written that that's going to change. Their goal is to get their stuff way more integrated uh, with different home accessories. So I think that's going to change. I'm curious, do you use any HomeKit accessories or any smart home stuff? Yeah, I have, a, I have a few uh, Philips Hue lights up. Yep. Got it. Do you, I, you know, I think I think lights and locks are probably the two most. Uh, yeah, lights and locks are the two more two most significant things. Um, yeah, probably for sure. You know, like locks are very convenient, and, and lights are very convenient. I'd like to see deeper integration with uh, maybe thermostats within the the home app. I think it would be cool if they sort of were sort of like the control center for for thermostat products, but obviously like Nest and you know, at all the other ones, they sort of like to use their own interfaces. Um, but I do and I, I do think the HomeKit app and the whole ecosystem could serve to be severely upgraded, to, to say the least. Seriously, I, and I don't understand it because Apple has the infrastructure in place to support home automation, but they have done little to nothing in the area. Now, do you believe with the recent alliance that they made with uh, Google and Amazon that that will help them to further like their efforts into home automation? Or do you think that won't even matter or what? Um, oof, that's a good question. Initially, I thought it was a bunch of BS. Uh, but the more I, I look into it and think about it, I think they're going to, it's actually going to make a little bit of an impact. I think it's been a, a little bit of a rude awakening for them that they need to, to step it up in the home. So I think that'll happen. I hope what so, because I mean, yeah. there, there is no reason why Apple should be so absent from the smart home game. I mean, Good Lord. I mean, you like I said, why do you have a HomeKit app if you're not going to do anything with it? I mean, come on, Apple. So what do you think they should do? I don't I mean, not, so, not, to, not, not to make this my podcast. I'm just curious. I, don't, I, don't, I just feel like, you know, I mean, we know Apple makes all types of products. They make computers. They make tablets. They make uh, speakers and things like that. I mean, maybe it's time to start thinking about making more home uh, automation type products, like maybe make some lights or we know that uh, Apple tags supposedly are coming soon, although that's not smart home yeah. related, but I mean, no. it, it, it kind of to that extent, you know, maybe make more product for the home, maybe make your own lights, or maybe make your own mm -hmm. like garage door openers or just figure out a way to get into the smart home space. There is no reason why Amazon should be dominating like that when Apple has the infrastructure in place to just to, mm -hmm. to dominate on their own. It's just it's crazy mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I couldn't agree with you more, Viper. I think that they also need to sort of upgrade their uh, Siri capabilities as part ah, of that. Yeah, I think that would be, yeah, like, you know it's all integrated and it goes together right so in order to get right. the, the home stuff working well you need to have a third-party adoption uh to your point you probably need the new devices and then on top of that you probably need a significantly upgraded you know siri infrastructure to really make it all tick now about siri mark do you think that theory is capable of getting any better because right now she's pretty much at the bottom of the barrel man <laughs> the look yeah. on your face tells the story, Mark. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it, 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 here's the thing. To me, Siri is sort of like at the point in popular culture and society and perception wise that no matter what they do to it, it's always going to have that stigma around it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that at some point they need to do a complete, complete rebrand slash overhaul. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, but I think that's what they really need to do to reset people's perceptions of the product.
I agree. And I also agree that I don't think it's going to happen because it seems like they are so invested in theory that they're probably not going to even consider a revamp in theory in any meaningful way, at least not anytime soon. No, that's fair. They are stuck in their ways. They have the new uh, Siri chief. I don't know if he's made that big of an impact uh, to date uh, at this point, but he's still early days. Still early days, man. Um, what do you use Siri for? Just, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, the set timers and uh, flicker the light. Maybe that's about it. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at, too. Uh, it's good in the car. Car play. Or, oh, let me change that. It's better than nothing in the car. Um, I think it's it's effective for like you know uh, read my texts and uh, reply to a text and all that. Uh, but overall, it, it's not great. And I mean, the question I try to ask myself um, is: Is it a perception? Is it a perception thing? So, is it just like am I just am I just stuck on the idea that series not great? Is it really not great? So it's you know it's hard to decipher like with the reality versus perception. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I guess I I can say that it's not absolutely terrible, and I think the series shortcuts help out a little bit, but it's still way behind Alexa. Yeah, and- so what short what shortcuts do you use? You know, honestly, I don't even use the shortcut to tell you the truth. I don't, I mean, I haven't uh-huh. used any of them. I don't, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, and it, it, when they first announced shortcuts, it was so like on Apple, like, because obviously to use the shortcuts, you have to set them up yourself. And usually with Apple, they try to automate as much for that, for the user as possible. But with shortcuts, it's just the complete opposite of Apple's it's normal ideology. It's super confusing. Yeah. Super confusing. Um, but I mean, when you set them up, they seem to work great, though. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I just I, I couldn't figure out like a good set of uh, of uh, of shortcuts that would be particularly you know interesting to me. I mean, I've tried to set some some up for uh, the home and such, but mm-hmm. you know, in reality, Siri blows. I mean, it's just it's like <laughs> it needs so it's, it needs so much work. It needs so much work. The truth hurts, Mark. The truth hurts, but it is what it is. <laughs> I don't think I'm saying anything that they don't know and that you don't know and. Oh, they know. oh, we all know. We all oh, know. Yeah. We've all said it. We know. <laughs> <laughs> they need a rebrand, man. They need a rebrand. I don't know they what they call it. They call it they... Siri 2. I ha- I have a name for them. They call it the Viper Assistant. That's a slick name. That, there that's you a go. Slick name. Whatever it takes, yeah. baby. Whatever it takes. Just rebrand it, rebrand it, rehaul it, do something. It needs to be better because yeah. right now I can't kick into the curb by... Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa, they're just, they're, just, they're just lapping theory right now. But I want to go back to WWDC. Yeah, now it is. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I want to go back to uh, WWDC. So we talked about iOS, uh, iOS 14 earlier. Mark, I don't know if you've heard anything, but I've heard little to nothing about what's coming with iPad OS 14. Do we know anything about that? I think that's because there isn't much coming. I think that the big stuff this year is going to be basically the iPad ports of the iOS 14 stuff you're going to get. I think the, are you using the magic keyboard? Oh, hell yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, one of these here myself. So I think what you're going to see is sort of like uh, that the trackpad thing was like the big thing this year. So that's, that's my, that's my two cents for what it's worth. It's worth a lot. But, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of understand it because a lot of the stuff uh, came with iOS 13.5 and things like that, but they got to have more coming for iPadOS. I mean, iPadOS mm-hmm. is still fairly new. It was only introduced last year, so I'm, I'm hoping they have some more new stuff that we just don't know about. Cause... I hope so, too. I hope so, too. I think it'll, you know, it's, 
it's not a big, I, I think so much went into getting the Apple chips, uh, you know, ready to go that that's a lot of the focus this year on the Mac OS side. Um, and these are all similar teams developing these things. So yeah, next yeah. year might be bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Okay. So let's talk about iPhone 12 a little bit. Um, okay. Uh, we know some of the things that could be coming down the road with iPhone 12. Obviously, the big talk is about 5G, but the other big talk is about whether or not the iPhone 12 will have a 120 hertz refresh rate. I'm of the yeah. mindset, Mark, that the 120 hertz refresh rate is not a big deal. I know some people make it out to be a bigger deal than I think it is, and I don't think mm-hmm. it's a big deal because it doesn't fundamentally change the way we use our phones. I'm curious to get your thoughts on the whole 120 hertz refresh rate debate or feature. What do you think about it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Interesting question. I don't particularly care. I mean, it's like, I see why people find it really interesting, but I've used it on a OnePlus phone and you could tell the difference when you're sort of doing a comparison. Um, But in daily usage, in daily practice, I don't think 99% of people are going to realize the difference. Um, Is it a nice to have? Absolutely. Will they do it when they can do it? 100%. Um, but it is difficult to pull off correctly depending on the type of OLED screen you're using. So it's a little bit more complex to pull off on the iPhone compared to the iPad, which has had it since 2017 at this point. Right, because the iPads have an LCD display and not OLED. That's so right. Like, like the technology right. is different. I think the big thing is whether or not Apple can integrate it in such a way that it won't completely murder battery life. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I don't, so the way they, they, uh, have it prevent battery life issues, I'm sure, as you know, on the iPad, at least, um, is that it kicks in depending on what you're doing, right? right? So it won't be working at all times. I know on like some of the OnePlus phones and some of the Android setups and Samsung phones, you sort of can choose if you want full throttle at all times. Um, so I think that that's, that's the way they'll probably do it on the iPhone. It's, it'll be variable. That's what it's called. Variable refresh. Yeah. 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 I think, I think, uh, a lot of it may be hinging on this technology that's out there called LTPO. Um, uh, I, yeah. I forget what it stands for, but I know it has something to do with a uh, refreshing the uh, rate or making it variable. The so, refresh rate yep. makes a variable refresh rate. That's what the mm-hmm. Apple watch has. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But on mm-hmm. the Apple watch, it's only up to, to 60 Hertz. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, the, I know, like I said, the main thing is to be able to vary that refresh rate so you're not constantly killing the battery, depending on whatever ashes you're doing on the device. So we shall see. Uh, I just saw something on Twitter that Apple have pa- uh, or the uh, 120 hertz refresh rate on iPhone Pro models have passed the initial inspection, but they still have a lot of more tests to run on that. So we shall see. Nothing is in stone oh. yet. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I think it's sort of in stone. I think these things were decided already. So anything you're seeing now, you know, on June 16th, talking about what Apple may or may not do in October. I think it's sort of information flowing through, you know, well past decisions being made. So, yeah, but we also know that feature can be cut at the last minute in software, too. So, yeah, that's true. Very true. Very true. So it's possible the hardware is there and the software is uh, is removed. Very true. Yeah, very true. All right, so let's talk about foldables. So right now we got the Galaxy Fold out there. Samsung is again, they got a Z Flip. They got the Galaxy Fold two in the work, and we just seen some type of patent out there that Apple is possibly working on a foldable device. I guess with a two uh, screen device with a, like a, some type of special hinge. What are your thoughts on foldables, and how close do you think Apple is to making a foldable device? 
Yeah, I don't think Apple is close. Um, I definitely don't think they're going to take the Microsoft approach where it's two screens with a hinge in between. I think if they do it, it's going to be a real foldable like Samsung, maybe a working version of what Samsung has going on. I think there's a lot of complication that goes into the foldable type of device. I think that you can get sand under the screen, you can get dust under the screen, and it can potentially be very problematic uh, for the display. And I think Apple's not gonna do it to a point where the thing is basically unbreakable. I mean, you have an iPhone 11 Pro Max, right? You can throw this thing across the room and it will, uh, you know, it, <laughs> it won't break. So I don't think Apple's gonna do a foldable phone until the point where they can get the, the quality to that standard. They really, that's how I really feel. Um, I don't think the Microsoft approach is that effective. I'm not really sure what the benefit you get of two screens with a hinge in between. Um, you're not really solving any problem. I'm sure it's something they've looked at. I think I saw a patent for it earlier today, uh, but I doubt it'd be something that Apple would pursue full throttle. I really do. What, what do you think? I don't know, man. I know uh, I know Project Catalyst is out there, and I know the, the crux of Project Catalyst is to merge like macOS and iOS apps together, so maybe that could be the foundation mm -hmm. of a folding device in the future, but like you said, I don't think Apple is particularly close to a foldable, but maybe down the road, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I think it's very experimental. I don't think it's something that's uh, that's gone very far yet. It's still early. They uh, they have a lot of stuff they need to get out the door first. So definitely, definitely. So earlier we were talking about AR glasses. So there have been a lot of rumor and speculation that Apple is working on some form of AR glasses. Uh, what are your thoughts on a potential pair of Apple AR glasses? You know, I really didn't mind Google Glass. I thought that at its core, it was a it was a beta product. It was about $1,000 too expensive. I thought the software ecosystem was garbage, but I think in terms of the, the fundamentals of the product, having a pair of lightweight glasses that can show information to you, by the way, it didn't, it didn't work very well, but at a very fundamental level, I thought it was a cool concept. And I think that if a company does it correctly, it'll be a smash hit. Um, so I'm excited to see you know, how Apple pulls it off. I think there were some rumors to your point earlier about them launching such a product next year. It's not gonna happen. Um, Apple won't be launching AR glasses until 2023 at the earliest or releasing until 2023 at the earliest. So, um, you know, make sure your expectations are in, are, in, uh, are, are correct for that. Um, not you personally, but right. you know, people watching and such. So. Right. So when they, whenever they do get around to launching their AR glasses to the math public, what do you think they want to tell? Because obviously there'll probably be something like of a notification hub like the Apple Watch was when it first came out. But I think somewhere down the road, we can get an experience like a flyover on Apple Maps where you're looking around your environment and maybe you're looking at a certain establishment and then you can pull up the uh, the name, like uh, times and opens and closings on your AR uh, display and things like that. Where do you see Apple going with the AR glasses? I think it's going to be both of those things, uh, Viper. I think you're going to get a mix of basically an Apple Watch on your face and the ability to look at stuff and it sort of tell you like, I mean, the example I like to always give is you could be at a, do you, do, you, do you, uh, what, what's your, what's your sports of choice? Uh, basketball, football. <laughs> Basketball. I'm a huge basketball guy. Uh -huh. uh, and I always like to give an example. It's like, I could be at a Laker game. I wish could go to a Laker game right now and sort of look at a player, right? Look at LeBron and be mm -hmm. like, okay, these are LeBron's stats, right? This is his averages for the year, or maybe this is what he scored this game. But I saw like some demo. I think the Clippers are actually doing this on this TV network um, using a form of AR where depending on where the player is standing on the court, do you play NBA 2K? 
Uh, not recently, but I have, yes. Okay, so like I've been playing a lot of 2K on the Xbox lately, and it'll show you, depending on where the player is on the court with the ball in his hand, it'll show you the percentage of what the shot will be, right? Like if the if Kawhi is behind the three-point line, he has a 39% chance of making this shot, but if he has two defenders on him, that drops to 26%, or if he's completely wide open in the corner, maybe it's 49% or 50%. So imagine wearing AR glasses at a ball game, and then it'll tell you, sort of like, okay, LeBron has this percent chance of making that shot. I mean, that would be a cool application for AR glasses that would be sort of an experience you wouldn't be getting at that game otherwise. Right, or maybe when he's at the free throw line, you can see what a free throw percentage is in real time. Like, yep, that'd be cool. Like 40% if we're talking about LeBron. (laughs) Right, right, you're right, you're right. No, you're right. You know, (laughs) that's the one, that's the one knock on him. I mean, he is incredible. And you're from Chicago, so you're probably, are you on the the Michael Jordan train? You already know. You already know. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even want to, I don't even want to get into this debate with you, Viper. No, we we don't, we know, we can't do it. (laughs) But I, 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 did you watch the doc? Uh, I watched parts of it. I haven't seen the whole thing, no. Oh, you got to see the Dennis Rodman episode. It's amazing. <laughs> that guy, he was incredible. Oh, were, yeah. you, were you watching during the, the two, three feats? Oh, yeah. I was, of course. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Michael Jordan was amazing. Yes, I still were. like LeBron, though. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. You, you, are, you are allowed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. It's all right. So I got a, I got an interesting question for you. Feel free to answer it however you want to answer it. I know you, you'll, you'll do your best. But I have noticed, and I think I and my other other creators in the YouTube space have noticed that there seems to be some type of uh, what, what do I want to call it? Some type of um, ah, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Some type of uh, I don't know if I want to say riff, but there seems to be some type of uh, uh, dislike between YouTube creators and things like that and actual tech journalists. And it seems, from my perspective, it seems to be more on the tech journalist side, like. They just look at YouTubers with this sort of disdain or something. And I'm not sure why, because from my camp, I just think we all want to work together. Like me and you, we're doing this podcast right now. That's how I envision it. But it seems like some of the journalists, I'm not saying you, but some of the journalists are just, they just don't like the idea of YouTubers uh, doing tech content, things like that. Why do you think that is? Or do you even have any thoughts about this? I got to tell you, this is the, this is totally, totally honest. I, this is the first I've heard that. Mm, okay. Um I'm happy to talk offline about it with you about where you're seeing this, but no, I, I haven't heard that. I certainly personally don't feel that way. I mean, I'm doing this with you right now. Um, there's a bunch right. of YouTube channels I enjoy watching. So yeah, no, this is, this is news to me. Um, I hope no one feels that way about me because I certainly don't feel that way. Okay. So let's, let's go into a little bit. Who are some of your favorite YouTubers? Uh, I mean, you, of course, uh, but um, Liar! don't lie, Mark. Don't lie. No, 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 no. I'm not lying. Um, Marquise uh, Brownlee Mark, in KBHD. Yep. I follow him uh, pretty closely. Um, Lou from Unbox Therapy, um, I think, is is great. His uh, his unboxing, and I like his shtick. Um, Obviously, um, there's everything Apple Pro. I ran into him at a Samsung event a few months ago, pre-coronavirus or right when coronavirus started happening. Um, so I do tend to pay attention to you know those three those three channels. I think that they've you know carved out their their own uh, different channels. I'm sure there's a few that I'm forgetting about. And please, if you're watching this, please excuse me. Um, but yeah, I certainly don't feel that way at all. I love YouTube. I watch YouTube all the time. Mostly NBA highlights, if I'm being totally honest with you. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no. This is yeah. news to me. 
I saw you on uh, Twitter giving Brian Tong hell for his liking of the Warriors. <laughs> oh, oh, me. Okay, I watch his videos too. I'm tight with Brian, but like, yeah, no, it's just, it's just NBA banter. It's just we're just messing. Around. Oh, of course, but of course. I'm glad you course. found that, that funny. I'll, oh, I'll have to throw you some uh, some uh, Chicago Bulls jabs. How are they looking these days? I mean, I, I don't watch basketball much these days, so I, I don't really know. But last time I checked, not the best. <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> not the best last time I checked, not the best. So before we get you out of here, uh, WWDC, yeah. as you know, is uh, it's all virtual this year. I know it's going to be different yeah. from you because you're usually on the grounds. You're usually at Apple Park covering the event. So what, what are your plans this year? Are you going to be watching from home? Or are you going to are you have like a dedicated location you're going to? Or how are you going to handle WWDC this year? Uh. Yeah, be watching from home, covering from home. Um, what about you? Actually, I will be at work, unfortunately, but I'll be watching at work. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, this was fun. I really appreciate you having me, and uh, this was great. And uh, it was great talking to you and meeting you in this way, and uh, I enjoyed this. So thanks for Absolutely. having me. Absolutely. Mark Gurman, thank you for the conversation, sir. I definitely appreciate you. I would tell you, you to tell the people. I would tell you to tell the people where they can find you, but I'm pretty sure they know where to find you at Bloomberg.com. If you have any other places, let us know. No, that's funny. There, Twitter's great. So, um, yeah, we'll see you next time. And uh, yeah, this is cool. Thanks, man. No, no doubt. Shout out to those of y'all that listen to our audio only this week. Thank you for listening to another version of Vibe Job with me and Mark Gurman. I appreciate you guys rocking out. If you want to follow Mark Gurman, his link will be in the show notes. If you want to support the podcast in any way, those links will be in the show notes. Also, if you happen to be listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a rating or review so we can have more people discover Vibe Drive because we want to get this podcast back into the top 200 of tech podcasts on Apple Podcasts. So please stick with that if you can. But until the next time, people, this your boy Viper, the man about tech. You know where to find me. So come back for more.